Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Here's something that we have to be really careful about today. With all this going on in our world, all the racial this and that and the other, as Christians, that can't, that can't become you. Amen? We can't be people that love one group above another group. We got to love everybody. The biggest issue for this, at this era in time, Jews and Gentiles couldn't stand each other. There was so much racial division and everything else, and God was trying to break that down. God was saying, no, it doesn't matter. Y'all get saved the same way. Y'all go to the same heaven. You need Jesus the same way. Do you love everyone the way God loves you? As Christians, we are called to be Jesus to everyone around us. This means serving and caring how Jesus did, and it also means not showing preferential treatment to some over others. Listen to Pastor Bill today as he explains to you how everyone needs Jesus' love the same. And that really means everyone. You can be Jesus' hands and feet in this world, making sure everyone knows who he is. They matter to Jesus. Do they matter to you? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. None of us were able to get our life together until God intervened. And so God says, even when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, even when you were in that state, even when you were in that mindset, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. And it says, by grace, you have been saved. And so we receive amazing mercy and we receive grace. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. I deserve punishment. I deserve hell, but God's not giving it to me. Grace is God's unmerited favor. God giving you and giving me what we don't deserve. I, do I deserve God to be good to me? I don't, but he is. Lavishes upon me. Do I deserve God's loving me? I don't deserve any of it, but God elects to do that for us. And I want to put this challenge out to us. Everybody here that's saved, you're born again. I hope that you can read this today and look back at your own story. Where did God intervene in your, where did, where did but God happen for you? Did that happen for you? Has that come to pass? If it has, when? When were, where, what were you lost in? What, what are the courts of this world have you going? What is Satan, direct, what is Satan directing you? Where were you at when God expressed his mercy? And how did he do that? For some of us, God intervened in our lives through, through godly parents. Some of us through friends, some of us through attending a church service, whatever it was. When did God intervene? How did he do that? Because you need to know that that was supernatural. God didn't accidentally get the gospel through to you. God set that whole thing up. God put you in the right place with the right people. Even when you weren't looking for him, showing you that he was looking for you and he came and he met you and he spoke to you so you could hear from him that he loves you and he died for you and you can be saved. and He wants to forgive you. How did God do that in your life? What did he do? What, what, how did he orchestrate that for you? Remember that today. And remember that God's been merciful to you and God's been gracious to you. Here's the challenge I want to put out. Because God has not given me what I deserve, mercy. And God has given me much that I don't deserve, grace. I do believe that God does that for us and then he wants it to flow through us. And so I want everybody to write down, somewhere write down, put it in your phone, write it down. Write down the name of somebody who needs mercy from you. Somebody who, maybe somebody's done you wrong, maybe, somehow they need to be let off the hook. Who needs mercy from you? Who needs to be let off the hook from you? Write them down. And then who needs grace? Who needs you to give them what they don't deserve? And whoever it may be, it could be a coworker, it could be a family, it could be a spouse, it could be a child, it could be a parent, whoever. Who needs mercy? Who needs you to call them and say, hey, you know what? 
never mind all, forget all that. Just, 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 just love them in Jesus' name, right? Who needs you to show them grace? Who needs you to do something for them that they don't deserve in Christ's name? And I, I want to say this. If you do this, if you follow through with this challenge, or I'm encouraging you to do it in Christ's name, don't, don't do some whack spiritual Christian stuff. Well, you know, you really don't deserve this, but the pastor at church told me to, so here, you know? If you're going to do it like that, just keep it. Don't even do it, you know? You got to do this from the heart because I'm going to tell you this, right? Sometimes some of the biggest blessings in this life come when when I get what God has done for me and I, I begin to let God do it through me. And when you're merciful for no other reason, I'm going to let you off the hook because Christ let me off the hook. In Jesus name, I love you. Just forget about it. And you let somebody off the hook. You are Christ working through you. There's no reason why you would do that's a great witness when you're gracious to people. Right. They know they don't deserve it. That's what that's why grace is so awesome. Right. If God did stuff for you when you were doing really, 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 really good, you feel like I, I, that's the least you could do. I mean, I was really doing good, you know. But when God is good to you, when you know you don't deserve it. Tumbling. It's like, man, God's I just want to do better. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it, it, it ministers to you. I know I don't deserve it. I believe that God would be glorified through our lives, that we wouldn't just be recipients of mercy and grace. But if we can recall God's mercy and grace in our lives, that we would also extend it to somebody else. Amen. I have everybody's commitment. We're going to show mercy and grace to somebody. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. We don't have to say their names. I don't want you to embarrass nobody, but just do it, but do it in Jesus name. Don't do no weird messed up stuff. You know, um, do it right. Amen. Okay. All right. I, I believe as we do that much as hopefully they'll be ministered to. I know that we also we minister to anybody here's ever been shown mercy. I, I received God's mercy. I received mercy in the earth realm, too. And mercy always is a blessing when I know I deserve this and I don't get it. Always, always. Every time in my life, I can think where I was just mercy. It's like, man, that's that was I look back and I even though the people that did it might not have done it for God's purposes. I look back and I think, man, God, you were in. That was you. You intervened in that. That that mercy they showed me. I, that's what you are. That's how you are. Uh, I was in um, when I was going to Dominguez Hills at one point, um, I was driving. I had went out on a Saturday with one of my friends and we were in L.A. drinking, drank all day, drank all day. And I had a little truck, little, you know, single cab truck. And we're on the way back still drinking. And I got we got 40s. I have one. My buddy has one. And we're driving. I'm driving down the 91. And for you, all know, I drive. I drive. I still drive like I used to drive in a little better now. You know, no alcohol now, you know, so. I'm driving bad and the high patrol gets behind me and I'm like, oh, man, single cab, 40 open, nowhere to put it. I'm like, you know, I'm like, it's, it's, <laughs> we're, there's no way out of this one. We're going, you know, it's, it's, it's a done deal. And I remember pulling off the 91 on Central, high patrol gets out and I just sat it in between my legs. And I'm like, it's, it's a done deal. And the guy looks at my car. He looks down. He looks down at my buddies. And this is what happened. I kid you not. Took my license registration. I'm like, he's about to call. They're going to come get us, you know. And he came back. He saw my sticker for Dominguez Hills. He said, you're a student at, at Dominguez? I'm like, yeah. That's where I'm headed back to. He says, um, and he, he just made this up in his mind. He's like, it's finals time. I'm like, finals just ended, even though I hadn't really taken any. You know, it had just ended for the people that were taking them. <laughs> he said, I'm going to follow you in. You're going to park. And I don't want to see this truck out again today. I'm going to give you a ticket for no seatbelt and for following too close. And I'm going to let it go at that. And I was like, cool, my favorite ticket I ever got. I was like, ever get a ticket? Thank you so much for the ticket. But I look back on that and I just think, that was just mercy. I deserved to go to jail that day. I should have got a DUI, should have went to jail, got my car towed. Didn't happen. Why? Mercy. 
No good reason, right? Just mercy. That person showed me mercy. That's what God does for no good reason why not, just that God is merciful. And as recipients, and we need to meditate on it, we need to remember it. It ought to soften us up a little bit. That'll keep you from becoming some callous, hard, religious person where you look down at folks. We, we won't be looking down at folks. We'll be looking to help people. Amen. That's, that's what God did for you. God just reached out and helped you. But grace and mercy to you when you didn't deserve it. And so once again, verse four and five, but God who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And here's the before and after that we're looking at before, you know, we were we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were going according to the course of the world, according to the course of Satan. We were conducting ourselves in the lust of the flesh. And since the but God, everything is changing. God made us alive. We were dead. God's now made you alive together with Christ. He's given you spiritual life. In verse six now, it says, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is also important. When God says he raises us up together, he's speaking to them because there were Jews and Gentiles getting saved then. And God has said, look, I've raised you guys up together, both of you guys. No distinction. Together, we, we get saved the same way. And so here's something that we have to be really careful about today with all this going on in our world, all the racial this and that and the other. As Christians, that can't that can't become you. Amen. We can't be people that love one group above another group. We got to love everybody. The biggest issue for this at this era in time, Jews and Gentiles couldn't stand each other. There was so much racial division and everything else. And God was trying to break that down. God was saying, no, it doesn't matter. Y'all get saved the same way. Y'all go to the same heaven. You need Jesus the same way. And I look at the things happening in our society, and I think so much of it is fueled. So much of what's getting put out, so much of what you see on social media, if you're watching and listening and looking at all these different things, you, you watch enough of that stuff, you're going to start feeling some kind of way. And you need to be careful that you, you're reading your word. That you're letting God, that if I'm going to be impacted in how I feel, I need to be impacted by the word of God. I get, away from, I get away from the word of God and start looking at the world around me. It will harden you. The Bible says because, of, because, the, because iniquity abounds, the, the love of many waxes cold. You know what happens? As you get out into this hard world, you start looking at what people are doing and you want to respond to what they're doing. And God says, I need you to be with me. I, I need you in the midst of this hard world. I need you to be a light in the midst of it. And so um, he says, I raised you guys up. And I, it's, it's important that he says that he, he raises us up together. He got, God raises us up a new life, but he does it together. No distinction. And so my, my heart for us, even as a fellowship, as a church, is that I, I hate the idea that, that there would be racism within the church. I don't believe you can be a Christian racist. If you're racist, you ain't Christian. The Bible says, how can you love God whom you haven't seen and not love your brother who you do see? And I got brothers in Christ that are white, green, black, yellow, whatever. You know, you born again of the spirit of God, we family. We go into heaven together. Amen. And so I challenge you guys, encourage you guys, be careful if the things in this world are, are if that stuff is getting into you. And you're starting to view everything from that vantage point. You need to get back into your book. You need to get back to the word of God because it'll infect you and, and affect you in a way that God doesn't call you to. It's part of how, as I look at, it's part of how Satan is kind of moving the course of this world right now. I get everybody fighting with everybody except me. And I, I'm telling you, he's sitting back somewhere laughing. That, 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 that he's setting this course, the course of this world. And you look at all this racial division and this group hates this group and all this energy that's going at this. And Satan is like, even Christians are getting caught up in it. The Bible says that we don't war against flesh and blood, right? 
against what? Principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in heavenly places. Our, our, our battle is spiritual in nature. So if I'm down here in the earth realm fighting with y'all, I'm stupid. I'm losing. I'm, I'm, I'm not even in the right battle. Satan got you. Don't get got. Amen. And if you want to really be woke, have your eyes open in this book. That's how you stay woke. That's how you stay with your eyes wide open because this world will have you looking at the wrong stuff, fighting the wrong battles. And even if you win, you lose. Right. When you fight the wrong war, even when you win, you lose. Amen. Moving on. So God has raised us up together. Verse six. Then he says that he made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so two things happen. God has changed our position. Now we were spiritually dead. We were separated. We were moving by the course of this world. Now we've been raised up together. And it says, and we've been made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, right now, y'all are, how are we not sitting in heavenly places yet? Y'all are sitting right here at Calvary Chapel Inglewood, you know, on a Sunday morning. And we may be sitting here right now, but spiritually speaking, we're seated in heavenly places. Right? We know where we will be. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord, be it death or through rapture. That's where I will be. I will be seated in the heavenly places. I belong there. That that is the promise to the believer. We'll be with the Lord. And so we have that in him. God said, I've changed. Even your 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 destination has changed. You're no longer a child of wrath. Now you're seated in the heavenly places. You got an amazing hope now because of what Christ has done for you. Verse seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And here it says, that in the ages to come, God said, the work that Jesus did, it was prophesied in the Old Testament. They got glimpses of what he was going to do. There were people that were alive during the, the life when Jesus actually lived on the earth and they saw what he did do. But Jesus said, the work that I did was it was going to go for the ages to come. People are going to receive from this and be blessed from this. And so for ages that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And then verse eight. Verse eight and nine are, are critical verses for salvation and just understanding how we get saved. And it says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. And so here it tells us, how does a person get saved? First of all, it's by grace. How do I get saved? Because God gives you what you don't deserve. God gives you forgiveness that you don't deserve. God sent his son to die in your place that you don't deserve is by grace. But it's through faith. And so what do you have to do to take hold of what Jesus did? Obviously, Jesus already died for the sins of the world. And he already was buried and he already resurrected. How come everybody's not going to be saved? Because everybody doesn't believe. And so what do I got to do to take hold of what God has done for me? I got to believe. I got to believe that I am what the Bible says I am, that I am a sinner. I got to believe that God did what the Bible says he did, that he died for my sins and that he rose from the grave. And that that belief uh, that I place in Christ, I put my faith in him. That should manifest in a changed life. That should manifest in a life that is now Jesus is the Lord of my life. That is what biblical belief looks like. And so it's by grace. God has made everything available, even though you don't deserve it. Your faith. All you do is believe. You don't do a single work. You don't pay for it. You don't live for it. You don't do something for it. There's nothing you can give to God to get saved. You just receive in faith. You believe what he says. God says, that's in the belief. Believe that I died for you. Believe that I loved you when you were at your worst. Believe that I rose from the grave and I conquered sin, death, and Satan for you. Believe that, receive that Jesus into your heart, into your life, and God will forgive you. God will begin to live in you in the person of the Holy Spirit, and you will become a child of God. By grace, through faith, and it says, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It's a gift. 
It's God's gift to you and to me. It's made available to all. It's like any other gift. You know, I think of Christmas is coming up and gifts will be given, but gifts, a gift have to be received. I've never been given a gift that I didn't receive. I don't know if anybody here has ever been given a gift that, you know, you didn't take, uh, but you wouldn't receive it or wouldn't take it or whatever. But a, a gift given, God says it's made available, but you got to take hold of it. And some people opt not to, you know, um, if you ask somebody, why, why do you think people don't get saved? Why do you think people who've heard the gospel and understand it reject it? The Bible tells us why. We could offer up a ton of reasons. Oh, you know, maybe they really understand it or they were raised different or whatever. No, the Bible says that men love their darkness rather than the light. That's why I didn't get saved when I first heard the gospel. I heard it. I was convicted by it. I believed it in my heart. I was touched. And I, I sat there and thought about what I would have to give up and thought, no, I'm not doing that. I literally, I rejected God. I, I received him outwardly. And then I went home and rejected him in my heart saying, mm, I don't want to give that up, that up, that up. And God was merciful to let me live three years later. Three years later, I would get saved for real. But I look back at that moment. And I think, man, if I would have died there, I would have went to hell. Uh, I was lost. God intervened supernaturally and I rejected it. And so I, I, I th- there was a, a mental awareness that this is true, but there was an unwillingness to submit to it. That's not biblical faith. That's not believing for salvation. And when I was 19, God mercifully gave me another opportunity and I did get saved. And so I would encourage any of us here. Right. We're here. And I hope this message will hit us. If you're here as a believer, my prayer is that God has stirred you up afresh. Um, because we need that. Paul had to tell Timothy and stir up the gift that's in you. Don't let that thing sit there dormant. And sometimes we need to be reminded of all that God has done for us that, God, I, why am I sitting around when you've done all these things for me? I, let me, I need to be living for you with, with passion and with vigor. With everything I got, I need to be living for the Lord. And so for some of us, I pray that that's what God is doing. And for anybody here that's here, you're listening saying, I don't know that I'm going to heaven yet. I don't know that I've received this yet. Then today, that, that, that offers out. God Anyone who needs the Lord, come. God will receive you. God will accept you. God will forgive you. God will begin to do a new thing in your heart, in your life today. That's why we're looking at these things. And so again, verse eight and nine, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. At least anyone should boast. And so when we receive the gospel, the, the biblical way, we don't get to boast in anything. We just we received a great gift. You know, we, we, we've been blessed. We've received something great. If you get a great gift um, and everybody may look at the gift that you got and be like, wow, well, you know, the, you got to tell who gave it to you. Right. That's they get the credit They're They're the one that, you know, you, you're, you're the you're the recipient of a great gift. But someone someone blessed you with it. Someone gave it to you. And, and they they would be who you would share. And so for us, we don't get to take credit for what God did for us. We give him the glory. We give him the credit for it. Last verse, verse 10. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says for. We are his workmanship, right? Before this, we weren't. Before this, we were child of the devil. Before this, we were, you know, workers of disobedience. We were, you know, sons of disobedience. Um, but now God says, like, it says now we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this is what that means. And God says, for we are his workmanship. In the Greek, that the word is poema. It's like a poem. Anybody, any poets here, anybody writes poems. You know, every word of the poem is, on part, is, is intentional. You, you, you're conveying a message through your, your poetry. It's artwork. God says, you're my poem. You're my work of art. You may look at your life and where you came from and how you came up and everything. And, just, and you may feel like that part was wrong and that shouldn't have happened. And that was an accident. My, my parents were like this instead of like that. And God says, work of art. 
I, I, I made every one of us is unique. And our life experience have shaped us a certain kind of way, even bad experiences, things that we wish wouldn't have happened. God says, you're my work of art. And the day you get saved, God takes even the negative, even the bad, says you've been created in Christ Jesus for a purpose. That purpose, it tells us in that verse, is good works. How do I know what good work to do? How do I know what the good work God wants to do through me is? Which God has prepared before him. So it's already settled in the heart of mind, mind of God what that good work is. It says that we should walk in them. And so everybody here to say now, where, where at one point in our life the focus may have been, we were pursuing the things that our flesh lusted after and desired. And everybody here did that at some point if you weren't saved. That's what the non-saved life. But now God says, now you have purpose in me. Anybody here that's aware of what that purpose is, if you know what your gifts are, if you know what God has called you to do, if you know this is what God has given for me to do in this life, are you pursuing that? Are you going after that? Since we've been created uh, for good, you know, for the purpose of good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Everybody isn't walking in them, but we should walk in them. And again, I would challenge every believer here. There should be something that we're doing that has purpose written on it. This is what God has purpose for me to do. That we're not meandering out here like people that don't have any focus or direction. God's like, I've given you guys focus. I've given something for every believer to do. If you're writing notes, write down Proverbs 29, verse 18. I'm going to read it to us real quick. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Old King James would say, uh, where there is no vision, the people perish. But this is a better translation. Where there is no revelation, right? Where there is no oracle, no word or oracle of God, no direction from the Lord. It says the people cast off restraint. It means they just do whatever. And that's what people look like without God. They're just doing whatever. And some of you guys can look back at times in your life where you kept trying this door, trying that door. Oh, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to try that over there. And you're just going and trying and going and trying and changing your mind over and over and over again. It's when you come to the Lord and listen for him. That God will settle you. God will say, this is, what I, what, this is what I want you to pursue. This is what I've called you to do. This is what I want you to go after. If you don't have that, there's, if you don't have a knowledge of that, then we should pray for that today. If you're here, you say, I know I'm saved. I know I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I don't have a sense of divine purpose. Uh, because God says, this is, part of the, this, this is part of the after picture. You know, before, yeah, lost, separated, son of, you know, child of wrath, pursuing the lust of the flesh, so forth and so on. But now, but now what God has done now, I was a child of wrath. Now, now I'm a work of art. Now, now I'm God's poem. I'm created in Christ Jesus. I have divine purpose. I'm no longer lost and without purpose in this world. And so once again, as we look at this, this before and after we were dead and trespasses and sins. But to the believer, God says, now you've been made alive through him. We once walked according to the course of this world, according to the, the, the dictates of Satan. Um, now we're, we're people that are being led and directed by, by God's spirit as we've received him. We used to conduct ourselves in the lust of the flesh as, and we were children of wrath. We were going to hell. Now we're going to heaven. Uh, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus and we're no longer pursuing the lust of the flesh. God's given you divine purpose. And that but God in verse four changes everything as God intervened. God did it for you. God did it for me. And so one of two things, either we're here as Christians and again, I'm going to pray for us that God would God would just stir our hearts up to live for him. Like with everything that we have, if you're a Christian and you've received grace and mercy, we gave the challenge. Everybody here, find you somebody to show mercy and find you someone to show grace to and do it in the name of the Lord. But if there's anybody here listening and say, you know what, I, I want 
I need this in my life. I need to be free. I need what God is offering. I want these things to be true. I need to be what these things are offering. Then God is here to save. God is here to forgive. God is here to receive uh, all those that would come to him. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on the Transforming Word as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. If you're ever or near the Inglewood area, you are more than welcome to join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You also can call or text us, too, for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that is calvaryinglewood.org. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Ephesians was written by Paul around the time he was in prison in Rome. This is one of the most inspiring things about Paul. Even when he was facing some of the heaviest of trials, he was still focused on the gospel mission. He still urged unity. He wrote of patience and love and encouraged people to be as one, just as God the Father is one with His Spirit and His Son. This may seem like an impossible thing to accomplish, but when you're living in the Spirit and by the Spirit, it's easier to genuinely love those around you. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Ephesians next time on A Transforming Word.